you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. The Chris Voss Show. Com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. We certainly, certainly appreciate you guys. Now, um, can you guys believe it? It's Christmas week. Now, you might be hearing this 10 years from now, the way our videos go and our content, but uh, it's actually Monday of Christmas week 2021. Oh my, I almost said 2022. I'm, or I'm trying to get ahead of myself here. But, guys, I hope you're all set up for Christmas. I hope you're uh, staying warm and wonderful, and uh, you have a lot of gratitude for what you have in life, no matter where you're at. Appreciate the holidays. Appreciate what you have. And in the meantime, appreciate my YouTube channel, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Voss. What a segue. Hit that bell notification button. Also, go to goodreads.com for chess Chris Voss. You can see all the wonderful books you're reading and everything over there. My two books as well. You can also go to all of our groups, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all those different places. It's crazy all those places the kids are at, we're at, except for Snapchat, for the most obvious of reasons. I always lose the Snapchat crowd with that joke but that's okay anyway guys also go see the big linkedin letter we got the newsletter we got access to their newsletter about three weeks ago holy crap we're killing it like every day we put out this massive newsletter and people on linkedin are just subscribing and getting in their emails it's like thousands of people and just keeps growing so we're just loving what's going on there so make sure you subscribe to that it's pretty fun anyway guys we have another amazing ceo on the show today we're gonna be talking about his company what he does and how it works and it's in you know, the series of covid and health and everything his name is andrew morton he is the ceo of bloom health partners and matri health do i have that pronounced right andrew matri that's right matri health boy good good guess there andrew is a seasoned global technology executive with a track record of successfully building and running innovative companies warren was an svp global sales for zodiac interactive a private equity held software company focused on advanced software for tier one cable i'm sorry if i got that uh, right there tier one cable and telecom providers he headed up broadband tv for entone where he launched successful operations on multiple continents entone was acquired by amino communications l-o-n-a-m-o where he worked for several years post-transaction on the senior executive team he co-launched global operations for comtrend corporation and a, a leader in telecom hardware and software early in his career he held growth roles at 3com i think i was stock in that when it came out uh, at the dot coms and at uh, IBM spinoff company Lexmark. Welcome to the show, Andrew. How are you? Hey, great. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Was 3Com the one of the companies I bought in the dot com boom era? We were very popular in the dot com boom era. So yeah, I think it was like one of those companies like Earthlink that I made a bunch of money on just the like, first day. You probably remember a product called the Palm Pilot way, way back. Oh. You have enough gray hairs to remember this product. So, you know, no, no offense because I have a few too. So yeah. I was so 3Com. 3Com was a, was a combination of U.S. Robotics, which in its day, we're talking late 90s to date myself mm-hmm. right away for your viewers, uh, is we, we had modems, 
big data networking. The founders of 3Com actually invented That's Ethernet. Right. So this was Silicon Valley earlier days. We'll call it we'll call it Generation Two because there was a whole generation before me that came in the eighties, right? So this mm-hmm. is the 90s. and then uh, we eventually acquired uh, U.S. Robotics, and then U.S. Robotics had the Palm Pilot, or they eventually called it Palm because they couldn't call it Pilot anymore. The Pilot Pen Company didn't like that very much. There's there a big copyright <laughs> thing that happened there, and then in two thousand. See, 2001 is when I resigned to launch a company. Oh, wow. And then my friend, Annie Grignon, who built the iPhone, went to Palm for their phones, I think it was. I still have a bag of my Palm Pilot and the modem and the charger, and it still works. Amazing. Is that that insane? It's got the pen and everything. It means our marketing department was telling the truth. That's the good part. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. So now you're working with this company, Bloom. uh, Let me make sure I get the title right. Bloom Health Partners. Give us your .com. I guess people should be able to look you up on the interwebs and find out more about you as we're talking. Throw that S if you would, please. BloomHealthPartners.com. There you go. There you go. So what exactly is Bloom Health Partners? So Bloom Health Partners is an operational health company. So we have a series of labs and we have clinical staff across the United States and now Canada. I'm actually in our Vancouver office at the moment, but we are primarily based in Dallas for the most of our operations. And then we've got folks in Atlanta, we've got folks in Los Angeles. There are new locations coming and there's a lot of activity happening. We were born out of 2020, early 2020, we started. Originally, like many looked at the pandemic as something that we that really underscored a real issue and there were some real needs for services. The initial founders of Bloom Health and we mentioned Matri, we were it was really coming together of two companies. So back in July we merged businesses, CEO of the organization. Primarily our business is made up of health software and clinics and testing. And there's been a bit of all of that. Testing is really a function of operational health and that's why companies seem to hire us quite a bit. And so you do COVID testing? COVID testing today. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And really as a function of operational health. And what we found is a lot of companies, especially really big ones, they've seen us in crisis mode and they've turned to us and and really started to hire us for things like occupational health. When I say operational health, that really means keeping the company functioning or keeping the organization Mm -hmm. functioning. And what COVID testing is now doing is pivoting towards other kinds of tests. Uh, So what's a good example? We just did a bunch of flu shots for Mm -hmm. some legal offices, law offices in the Dallas Mm -hmm. area. And the reason why I wanted that is I said, look, you're really good on the medical side. We need somebody we can trust. So operational health made a lot of sense for them to come to hire us to start doing services like that. And that's really outside of COVID because long term, the business is really more about operational health and for bringing health services to businesses and organizations. COVID just gave us the opportunity to prove ourselves in crisis mode for a lot of these people. And you guys, if I recall, I think we had your executives on the, uh, some of your executives on the show, I think, mm-hmm. and you guys really scaled fast, like incredibly fast. Absolutely. So Cole and Abbas, they had so Cole, Cole Lysot and Abbas Khan were on, I think, about, about three months ago, two months ago, something mm-hmm. like that. And they did talk a bit about some of the altruistic background of the company, which is genuine. Really, they did start in a parking lot, which yeah. is amazing. <laughs> and, and it really was that. And, and it really filled the need. You know, when they're, and I remember this really well. When they were sitting in that parking lot, I remember this story really well because we all came together. When we met each other. We all knew this was going to work as partners. That's a lot of what we call it, Bloom Health Partners. And we are a corporate mm-hmm. structure. We have leadership and a pretty serious board and all that, but we really run this really as peers in a lot of ways because you, everybody has to bring something to the table, especially as you build out a, system, a business like ours as quickly as we're growing. Yeah. But, you know, Cole and Abbas, they started a parking lot. Yeah. They were doing testing across the street from one of the largest 
healthcare centers in the world in Houston. Mm -hmm. That's the first place that did COVID testing. And what I recognized around the same time when we launched the original business that really merged with Bloom Health Partners and became the master company is that there were inadequacies in the healthcare system. Not, not that there's something wrong, but there was a real need. And uh, if, if nothing, COVID has told individuals that they better get serious about their health. Yeah. And companies are recognizing that as well, which I'll get into in a minute. But what that means is health is definitely the feature. And when you're, when it, when, as an employee of, of a larger company, if I'm sitting there looking at my options, because as an employee nowadays, if I were somebody looking for a job, I have many options nowadays. Everybody knows about the challenges with employment. It's hard to find good people. Always yeah. has been. Now it's even tougher. I'm going to go for the company that has better health care. Because the yeah. second question I ask is, okay, first question always is, how much are you going to pay me? Second question is always, and what is the what are the benefits? What are the, mm -hmm. what's, the, what's healthcare look like? Mm -hmm. Well, companies now are starting to offer healthcare to their employees as a benefit, more than a benefit. It's always been there, but as a perk. Mm -hmm. And if there's healthcare on site where there's a clinic, if I don't feel well, I just go to the clinic at the factory floor. That's mm -hmm. a better employer than the ones where, where I have to go off site and put it on my PPO or my HMO. And that's what you guys do. You guys go out and set up. You guys have these, I think, mobile units, if I recall correctly. Originally, that's right. So originally, mm -hmm. there were mobile labs that we set up originally for COVID testing. But what's happened now is we're taking that same you know, nimble mentality and doing essentially these pop-up clinics for companies. Mm -hmm. And what wow. they won't see, but this is for them, this is a long haul thing. And I'll give you a kind of example of where it came from. So we have a you know, very serious science clinical staff. We have a very serious medical background on the team, our board advisory, they're a pretty solid bunch. But with all of that, they all have the experience that we need to really show us, hey, look, this is what a clinic looks like. These are medical services. But companies are now looking for better ways to attract employees. And the big question they have to us is, okay, we understand you have testing, you do labs and all of that. They know that we're all we're all brick and mortar labs now because we're you know, we're no longer in trailers, which were where we started way way back. Pop. Mm -hmm. We're taking that same nimble mentality to bringing towards companies to bring occupational health there. Mm -hmm. So if an employee's hurt or an employee doesn't feel well, they don't have to leave the the, the factory. Mm -hmm. If there's something that's a little bit more serious, and clearly we're not doing open heart surgery in a factory floor or anything crazy like that, but what we are doing is offering health services for companies to give their employees. That's pretty smart. It's not a new concept, but it's a concept that's needed a little bit of a kick uh, for a little while. And the reason why is there, there are traditional ways healthcare is laid out. We've identified is if we innovate mm -hmm. and layer different kinds of services together, employers can save money. Employees feel a little bit happier about being there. Yeah. And if we do things like help them manage the data that comes out of those clinics, we, we clearly have to keep the data anonymous. Individuals' personal health information is private, mm -hmm. but a company can know. How many diabetics do we have? How many people have been tested for cancer lately? These early, mm. Lots of early screening you can do without having to do anything invasive. It's all lab-based, and we have labs that support that. Oh, what, wow. about, what about drug testing? This is a big mm. deal. Right? Yeah. So yeah. why don't we all those services in the same clinic? And that's a mm -hmm. new concept. And then the bigger part on the data side is now they can start figuring out risk assessment as an employer to figure out longevity of the workforce. And the bigger one is what their insurance is going to cost them. Oh, yeah. That's always <laughs> that's the really big one. <laughs> I've had those conversations with my companies where the insurance company shows up and goes, We need to talk about a couple of your employees and I'm like, What's going on? And they have the histories and stuff. But you guys do you guys, you guys probably have faster turnaround because number one, you're on site. Somebody doesn't have to drive across town and wait in some waiting room for fifty million hours and lose whole days of playing around with hospitals and stuff, maybe. Absolutely. It's faster turnaround It's and it's higher productivity for the employer. You know, mm -hmm. And there's two big things that happen here. You have workers' compensation where somebody hurts themselves in a factory. Let's, mm -hmm. that's, 
So normally, what, you know, obviously there's EMTs, but often if it's an industrial environment, you have emergency medical folks that are sitting, that are sitting there on site. But in many cases, if somebody's hurt themselves in an environment where it's not necessarily a dire emergency, they generally just get sent off site. Hmm. That's a huge cost to a company to send people off site. Oh, yeah. And generally, they don't want to put that on their insurance plan because it, it's a marker against the insurance. Oh, so it's not a market insurance if they use you? If they use us, we're not insurance. We're the company's paying for us as a occupational health clinic. Oh, that's brilliant. So, so you know, the, 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 that's <laughs> and they do saves money, right? Yeah. And now you have, and here's a bit. Let's face it, Gen Z. They're the next generation that the last generation is beating up on because that always seems to happen. And my parents' generation, they were supposed to be lazy, and that obviously didn't work out. And I'm Gen X, and that didn't work out either. But right now, Gen Z is getting into the workforce. How do you attract Gen Z to come work in your company? Mm-hmm. Hey, well, you, you got to give them a good environment to work in. You have to pay them market rates and all yeah, that. Yeah, the paying thing. Exactly. Now, in, in, the, in, the, in the new world of Amazon opening in you know, multiple cities, you now have, frankly, a, very, a pretty good employer that offers free health care. So as an employer that's not Amazon, how do you compete with that? Yeah. Then the best way to do it is to offer a perk. Hmm. Now, you can offer a free buffet for 24 hours like Google does, which is cool. I come from the tech world, so that's a cool thing to offer. But I think it's a lot more interesting to most emplo- potential employees to have health care. Yeah, it, especially now in the age of COVID and all the stuff that's going on. And uh, I think COVID has really taught everybody the importance of health and how just being healthy I, it got me in shape. I started working out because I'm like, I get this stuff and it's probably going to take me out. And a lot of the people that, that sadly either passed away from COVID or had issues, major issues with it, and sometimes they're long haulers, but were people that were already preconditioned to different things like diabetes and, and different things. And certainly being more healthier, maybe gave you a better chance to survive. I'm not sure the exact numbers on that, but health, I think we realized that, hey man, health is kind of important. You know, I hate to say blessing in disguise because it's awful, the pandemic and the deaths and people that are quite ill from all of this, but if nothing, there's, there, there are some lessons learned from the pandemic. And one of them is without, without question, get serious about your health. Yeah. And, and employ, employers also have another ch- couple more challenges. One is that insurance costs are rising. Mm-hmm. A couple reasons why I think there's a lot of risk now in the new workforce and whatever the new normal, whatever that is meant to look like, because none of us really understand that at this point. But as they plow forward trying to run their businesses and be profitable, if insurance costs are rising, that becomes a big issue. Mm-hmm. At the very least, if you can provide your employees with incentives to get healthier, that's going to be better for the company. It's going to have a longer-term, happier employee. Yeah. And the employer now, their, their costs reduce. So everybody seems to win in that scenario. Yeah. If there's, you know, if part of that wellness program is a data component of this, where the employer now knows how many employees are participating in the wellness program, mm-hmm. whose body mass index or BMI, they always call it medical world. Whose BMI is decreasing? In other words, you know, somebody's waist is getting a little smaller and their mm-hmm. shoulders are getting a little bigger. That's usually a good sign that people are getting a little healthier. Wow. You start, you start reporting and stuff like that and looking at that. Well, then the employer now only knows, also knows, first of all, that, okay, I've got X number of employees that are participating. This is good news. The, the risk assessment on my workforce is, is looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they can take that same information. Mm-hmm. It's anonymous, of course, but show it to the insurance companies and say, hey, this is the picture of my company. Have a look. Yeah. How much are my premiums this year? Because there are going to be fewer claims from all trends. That's pretty darn brilliant, man. That's brilliant. I mean, getting around those insurance claims. I, I used to go in the doctor and they'd be like, do you have insurance? And I'd be like, yeah, but I'm not telling you. 
because I'm just in here for a flu. And like, you have to tell us. And I'm like, I'm not telling you. And then later I found out that they get the information somehow anyway. Because so, I'm like, I'm just going to pay $100 for some penicillin and some flu I would have. But uh, I was always trying to circumvent letting my insurance company know that I had little flus. In defense of the insurance, if they carry, if everybody has insurance and everybody claims at once, there's no more insurance industry. They have to, they can't lose money doing this. Oh. And the other challenge they've got is because there was essentially a lockdown and people just weren't reporting in, you know, checkups were being delayed, all that kind of stuff. The entire data model that they have is gone. It's a reason. How are they supposed to know? So we're seeing it ourselves, even for me. With every client we talk to, they're all saying the same thing. Their insurance rates are going up just by default of being the new normal. Mm-hmm. Primarily, there's risk, but the other the, you know, risk meaning, you know, what happens if we have another COVID outbreak or something crazy like that? Yeah. And the other side of it is the insurance companies just don't have any recent information to start you know, do, working out the odds. Because if you th- consider how insurance works, it's essentially run by actuaries. Mm. And sit there with the calculator and figure out probability. And that's how you run that business. Yeah. If you don't have data, then you're going to go with the worst case scenario. This actually helps the insurance industry become a little more competitive and helps them function. And I think there's, I think there's a symbiotic relationship that's a potential between employers and insurance carriers if the data is shared back and forth versus the usual data. It's a, it's a, it's a, there's a female between 35 and 45, typical case. Probability is that they live in the Midwest, they might have heart disease by the time they're 55, they're safe now. Okay, nowadays they can get real data and we can mm-hmm. help them do that. That, that. that changes the game a little bit. And maybe because they're, you, the company is being more proactive with the clinics that they have inside with you guys because they're, you're able to get on stuff quicker and, and address issues maybe where I'm, I'm really bad at that, like a uh, foot will fall off and I'll be like, oh, that looked at, I don't know, next week or something. <laughs> And I get, I get around. I, I don't have time to go there because most people, I think, actually come to think of it, some of the studies I understand, most people don't go see the doctor because it's such a, they've got stuff they're doing. It's a pain in the butt to go to do all that. And so this way they can, you know, get a mammogram if they need it right away and all that sort of good stuff. Is that correct? That's right. You know, mm-hmm. here's what I was told by a, a you know, very large public company CEO is in flat out that. It's less expensive for them in their eyes to take care of their employees than to replace them. Yeah. If you look at just pure economics. So if somebody's mm-hmm. 55 kind of plus, inevitably, when you start hitting that age, their health markers start to show up. There's just real things that happen. Uh, and if you can, as an employer, get five, 10 more years out of that trained machinist, mm-hmm. you know, out of that trained carpenter, whatever they do for the company, it's, it's a heck of a lot cheaper than trying to hire a new one and then put them through an apprenticeship and try to get them all the way up because it takes a real mm-hmm. long time. And there's a real cost to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for that individual that's kind of 55 plus, if there's immediate care or an immediate incentive for them to go maybe make a quarterly drop into the clinic or an annual, mm-hmm. maybe every six months just for a quick checkup. Then, and then as a result, the net benefit for them is their deductibles on their insurance is lower or some other kind of net benefit. Everybody seems to win in that scenario. Yeah. And you might lower like, People that are, what would you call it? Falsely calling in for work sick. I just have those people. Uh, Chris, I got a cough. <laughs> I should probably go home today. <laughs> the big one is I want, to leave. I want to leave for the afternoon to go to yeah. the doctor. And you're like, I, I saw you on Instagram at the golf course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are taking a lot of our experience from the field. And we're doing, on the COVID side, we're still doing a lot of testing. You know, mm-hmm. And that will, I think that's always going to be part of life in a factory and life in a mm-hmm casino and whatever other kind of place where you have you know, people gathering in the same places. When people yeah. congregate, unfortunately, because of Omicron, we're, we're seeing is COVID testing or COVID management is going to be one of many. At some point, this pandemic becomes an endemic and becomes one thing we manage. 
Mm-hmm. And it would be a pretty large ground game that you run in some places. So we took a lot of that experience and how to deploy it quickly and put a, take a real clinical approach to things. And I think that's why we lend ourselves very well to operational health. Yeah, it's taken me a while to get settled into it, but it, it just, it, it, from what they say, it, it's this is going to be with us for a long time and hopefully it just won't be as bad and hopefully we'll get close to, close to uh, what, what do you call it, full, where everybody gets vaccinated maybe eventually. Um, Big word you hear a lot, probably. Yeah, even in New York, my friends in New York, and so I was looking this up, and they were—I think I saw something this morning that they were discussing maybe canceling the New York the New Year's Eve party that they're doing. There Mm -hmm. was—I think it was from the New York Times or the Wapo. And my friends in New York, and so I was looking up how many people are vaccinated there, and they're going through a huge crisis right now. Mm -hmm. Just like the numbers are off the chart. In fact, I think they're the largest since the initial hit of COVID, they're certainly the largest in the last year, the cases that they're having in the outbreak. And they're at, uh, I think it was 71% have one shot and 80% have two shots. And even at 80% of vaccination rates, they, you know, they're having this outbreak. So it's here to stay for a while with us and the craziness of being up and down. Uh, more so than I would have expected. Yeah. We really, we, we really, Bloom Health Partners, we're really building our business around occupational health. You know, mm-hmm. and what I call operational health and bringing mm-hmm. innovative plans. But the, but there are questions about COVID daily from our clients now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're right now doing testing. A couple of weeks ago, we made an announcement. We're doing testing for Alabama state schools. So we have, oh, wow. to, with the exception of this week and next week, because they're all on school holidays. Every day, Monday to Friday, we have our staff all around the state, essentially swapping children in various schools with, with of the families that consent. And it's a consent in program. And that seems to be the number is definitely increasing because I think the mm-hmm. is definitely there now. Under there's certain there's, the mandates are coming around testing and vaccinations at the workplace, stuck in the courts. We, we for us, we're really on the right side of all that. We're really all about testing. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to come and do testing, and many of the operational health uh, clients that we have, and the people that want to get into other types of things, they're all turning back to us saying, "What can you do about COVID testing?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know you came from there. We, we have labs. What can you do for us? And what the, what the requirement will be, and again, we're very much react to what our clients want to see, that they're facing the potential that they're going to have to test weekly for all employees that are not vaccinated. Wow. So for us, the goal is if we can do it for children and make it, make it simple for children to do it, I think we can do okay on a factory floor or in a chain of retail stores or that kind of thing. I think we'll do a good job there. Yeah, a bunch of the school systems that were trying to figure out the right sort of testing, a ton of their t- teachers got sick and they had huge outbreaks and they had mm-hmm. to keep shutting down. Testing is really important. And even we were talking before the show about CES. They're, mm-hmm. They've told us at CES show the next three weeks that they're going to give you a testing kit to go with. The, when they hand your badge, they're going to give you a testing kit. And they, they send a strong email today saying, you, you really want to try and get your COVID test done 24 hours before you go. I'm actually driving in to CES, so I don't have to fly. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just going to wear like a, a hazmat suit in, inside of CES. But I think I should be pretty, I think I should be pretty safe. I mean, everyone's testing and they put a big thing. But yeah, we also saw, I think it was 37 players in the NFL come down. Right. And uh, I think it was uh, over that uh, the Green Bay Packers guy. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't. It's a good job. <laughs> what, you guys do custom COVID tested programs. How does that work? And how does it help get people safely back to work? If you want to touch on that. Great question. So we really work around what our clients needs are because everybody's operations were a little bit differently. You have an auto plan, movie set. We do a lot of stuff in the movie and film and TV industry as well. Oh, yeah. Where there, as you can imagine, the hours are not, it's not a nine to five job. A movie set, they, they can be in the middle of the night, they can be in different places. So, give you a couple of good examples. We actually put labs, we have a nice lab in Atlanta 
there's a, there are a ton of studios around there. And what we really do is we run shifts based on what the needs are and our collections mm-hmm. happen around the needs of the, the studio. So some sets will run at night, some sets around the daytime, we do the collections. And then of course they have different windows they need for response time. So our lab is very much on the ready. And, and, and because we're so efficient in the way our labs are run in Atlanta and Dallas and the other places we run, the whole idea behind this is to work around the needs of the client and mm-hmm. run it. So that way they get their, their results timely, because if they have, first of all, if they have a delay because they're not getting results, that's money because they have to yeah. wait. If we are you know, poor, if we're low, if we're low grade on the science and we're really planning ourselves out and we're very serious about the scientific part of this, we have false positives or, or heaven forbid, false negatives, which are even worse. We get into situations like that. Your time is money. And I was told by one of the studio heads, a good studio will run the running sets at any given time around the world. And they mm-hmm. can be range in costs anywhere between 300000 and $2 million a day, depending on the size of production. Wow. So a shutdown there or a yeah. hole there is very expensive. That's yeah. killer. I know Atlanta has, uh, I forget the name of that gentleman who made all the movies, but I, I, I he's really turned Atlanta into a huge sort of movie business sort of thing going on down there. It's like a second. Well, lots of credits about a lot of films made now. You'll see a little State of Georgia logo at the bottom of the credits usually. Oh, really? Working in the State of Georgia. So we do, we've done that. Uh, There's one movie we did. It's a big, big blockbuster movie. It's probably one of the biggest of the year. We actually mm-hmm. did double-wide trailer. We actually erected it up in uh, Oklahoma for them. Mm-hmm. We had it running there for six months with the movie set. And we essentially, every time they come and swab, hours later, they get the results. Wow. And what I can say is on our watch, we've never had a shutdown. That is awesome, dude. That is awesome. It beats, it beats, hey, you got to go to that clinic across town and five hours in traffic. And but you come back. Oh, they said that they think you need to do the bigger test. So you're going to have to go back. And it's great that you have it on site. You guys have worked with PepsiCo, Six Flags, all 22 parks in North America, that is. American Airlines, Amazon Studios, Netflix, Apple Studios, Viacom, Live Nation. A lot of these companies, Apple and Google and, and Silicon Valley companies, they've all been like doing this thing where they're like, yeah, we're going to, everyone's going to come back to the office. And then, you know, Omnicrom or COVID D pops up. And they're like, oh, yeah, scratch that. It's just like an ongoing thing. What do you guys see post COVID? What uh, for Bloom? Do, or is there ever a post COVID? <laughs> well, we've been thinking post COVID for a long time. <laughs> but, you know, it's, but, you know, uh, the COVID keeps po- taking us back in. Yeah. But if you really are an operational health company that does COVID testing, mm-hmm. operational health stays. Really, the, the whole business is about, uh, on-site health and extending care. And we're not trying to compete with hospital change. Hospitals, we really are becoming an extension of that. We're augmenting that. We're making it easier for companies to function. You know, what companies are finding right now, especially, and I will say this at least, especially in the new economy, and the new economy to me is, this. I'm already thinking in terms of post-COVID economy, because if you look at the employment situation right now in the United States mm-hmm. and other countries as well, it's very much in an employee's market. They get, they really have their pick. It's a lot. It used to be, it's hard to find good people. Nowadays, it's just hard to find people. And I mentioned this earlier, big companies are now realizing that they have to offer perks to their employees just to get them to come to work. Yeah. And we are that health provider to do it. So COVID's part of it. Sure. Mm-hmm. But much bigger part of it is, like I said earlier, wellness programs, drug testing. Mm-hmm. Another one, a big one as well is uh, workplace assessment or work assessment. Meaning mm-hmm. you know, somebody's going to have to work in an industrial environment and it's a specific vocation where maybe they have to pick up a lot of heavy boxes, climb ladders, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's actually a whole pre-screening thing that they typically send out and they farm that out to a third party to do it. And they send the uh, potential employee out to see if they're even capable of doing it. All that can be now done on site. It's crazy. Uh, out here in Utah where I'm at, they're just everywhere you go, it just signs up. 
we'll give three hundred dollars a gift card. Like this one restaurant I go into, and they have a sign on the front door that says, "We'll give you a hundred dollars if you're first somebody." I'm like, I could get free lunch. I, I just need to go. I need to start being one of those. Uh, what do they call them? The personal employment agencies. I'll be like, you know, yeah, hey, you need a job, man. I need a hundred bucks from the restaurant. COVID's COVID's a real big deal because not only are businesses fighting for employees, mm-hmm. and I think it was. Last Friday or two Fridays ago, I went out to two big chains. I went out to a Denny's, and I think it was Big Bear Restaurants. They were a big chain. I went to the Denny's. It was like 8 or 9 o'clock at night. It was after the gym, so I wanted a nice omelet for the protein. And I walked in, and the waiting room was full. whole place, the tables were pretty much empty. And they're like, yeah, it's going to be an hour. And I'm like, what do you mean an hour? And it's like, I, I, there's seats right there. And they're like, yeah, the cooks didn't show up. It's just the manager running the grill. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, thank you very much. And I, she, the poor gal looked just stressed out. We're going through a hard time together. We all got to get along. So I went over to the Big Bear place. Same thing. And uh, these guys are uh, bigger companies that sh- I should be able to pay well. And uh, I had to sit up to the bar. I was just with my by myself. But fortunately, I, I could go to the bar and just eat there at the thing. And they, they said, they go, you're, if you want to eat the bar, or it's gonna, you're going to have to wait because we don't have employees coming in. And one of my favorite restaurants recently, they've been struggling with employees. And they, they had to start doing these segmented hours where they're open like 4 to 9 and I don't know, 10 to 12. It's like really weird, their setup. But they had one employee get in with COVID and then they're shut down for two weeks. And so you're either getting screwed by trying to get enough employees and offer employee benefits or COVID decides to get you. It's really tough right now on companies. If we can keep companies operating, we've done our job. And COVID is a small part of it. And mm-hmm. The longer term is just what you described. How do you get that employee to want to come to work? Mm-hmm. How do you differentiate yourself as an employer? How do you differentiate yourselves to employees? Mm-hmm. When it, when big big corporate CEOs are telling us this is a direct a quote from a conversation I can't name names because they're a public company, but their concern is in all the markets they operate across the United States, there's an, an Amazon down the street, mm-hmm. like a big Amazon picking facility that pays eighteen bucks an hour, free healthcare, and basically work around the employees' needs so they can get people. So how mm-hmm. do you compete with on that basis for? People that are just entering the world. Now, if you're a Gen Z, where are you going to go? I'm going to the place over there that's healthcare. That's where I'm going to go. And even though the parents of Gen Z, you're probably going to push them towards places where that, that 19, 20, 25, 30 year old that's now off the family healthcare plan, you're going to say, go mm-hmm. You're going to support the parents too <laughs> because you're, not, you're, you're off the payroll. Time to go work over there. So if we can give them a health plan that you know, includes you know, we have lower insurance rates, premiums, because it's to compete, you have to compete for employees now. If we can give them better health on site, now mm. their aging workforce gets to last a little longer, which means they're able to retain a few people and retention's a big deal. And then you can attract people with that as a perk. And I am convinced that healthcare is the perk of the next decade. Mm. All, all COVID did was underscore the need for health, but longer term, the desire for health is going to be there. Not beyond pandemic. I think we'll be an endemic that's going to come. Mm. I think herd immunity, at some point we're going to get there. It takes some time. And I stay away from all that stuff. I just see this real, uh, in general, health being the kind of thing that can differentiate one employer. And the thing I just realized when I was telling you the story about the restaurant industry 
is uh, a lot of employees are switching jobs because certain public-facing exposure things, people that are uh, work at a grocery store, at a restaurant, they're coming in contact with a lot of people coming off the street for that, that could potentially have COVID. And I think a lot of people that didn't come back to the job market or changed markets or jobs probably looked at that and said, do I want to work in a high-risk environment or would I rather work in maybe a warehouse where I'm not being exposed to hundreds of people like I would, say, in a restaurant setting? And yeah, I, I didn't really think about that, but that's got to be a huge sort of decision that's on the mind of employees. Without question, if they know that the employer is taking COVID and, and just, just the general management of it seriously, mm -hmm. leave vaccines to the side for a minute because that's a separate topic. This is really about testing. At the very least, they know that people are being tested around them and, the, and mm -hmm. at least the coworkers are safe and that there's a management around that. I think that's a win because yeah. it's not controversial to test. And I mm -hmm. think that, really, that solves a lot of problems for employers to do it that way. Yeah. And, and in general, the employee at that point, it's employee satisfaction. They start getting becoming a little more loyal to their employer longer term. But that employee loyalty, I think that's a real challenge. You mentioned, you know, the, you went to the Denny's and some other places where they're just, yeah. this is a real thing. And because people have choices, they can leave that job at the check-in counter. Because yeah. you know, they don't, anybody will take them because there's right now, it, like I keep saying this about the employment market, it's a seller's market right now. Yeah. Very much so. Personally, I wouldn't want to be a, on a front facing job where I'm hundreds of people are passing by me every day. I, I, I would make that choice if I work for somebody else. It, it really didn't occur to me. And I'm like, wow, yeah, this is a really big deal. And yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be. I would be like, I want a job. I'd go get me like one of those midnight jobs where you work at night and you're like, I don't know, you guard things or something. But that, that's really important. And just healthcare in general, people just realize. And then you're going to have a lot of people right now that have long hauler syndrome from COVID. I've got a lot of friends that have had it twice. They've got long hauler symptoms. And imagine that's, that's a thing for companies that are concerned about the long-term health or maintaining I don't know, maybe the quality of health for people that are suffering from long-term health problems from COVID? I think there's a bit of that. I think we're just starting to see what that looks like now. Um, the research is definitely coming. We definitely, within our team, we've got some pretty good people on, on our, especially our advisory. One of our advisors is at Yale Medical Center. He does a lot of work with WHO, Dr. James Shepard. Mm -hmm. He's definitely what I would consider an expert in the, in the area. His feeling, he's quite optimistic about the outcome of COVID at some point for the general pandemic, which is good. But the, but the big question mark, nobody really knows the answer to yet, according to Dr. Shepard and many others that are you know, on our team, is what does this look like six months, a year from now? Nobody generally knows. So if there is that clinic on site, at the very least, the employer has some place to direct employees if, they, if they're in need. Yeah. And I think and it, it's, it's all about, for the employer, they can be a little selfish about this and say, hey, this is just about the numbers. It's dollar and cents to run, run the business. Mm -hmm. There's a tangible, which is a really big deal, which is the employee loyalty. They're taking care of me no matter what. This is great. And, and, and that's the kind of place I want to work. If an employer can get employees to that place, that's a big win. Yeah, most definitely. I didn't even think about some of these things. It's just been so obvious in front of my face. But yeah, the uh, long hauler thing, the issues with, and then there's come to think of it too. We've talked about this on the show before. There's a lot of mental health problems that came out of this COVID thing. I probably need a few <laughs> <to see> psychiatrists. <laughs> like we've all been through a little bit 
the, I don't know if it's PST, D, maybe some people went through it. There were some people that took some heavy losses, so they may need some help. But I, I think we all need a national mental health program after COVID. So one of the things you keep mentioning, I'm not sure if we touched on this, so I want to make sure I, I clarified it. You, you described Bloom as an operational health company. What, what does that mean exactly? And how is that different than some of the traditional health companies and what you guys do that they don't? Primarily geared towards keeping organizations running. I mean, when I say operational health, and we're, we definitely innovate in that, and that is that, as I mentioned, the, the clinical approach backed by data and intelligence. That's what makes us a little different. But we are, we're willing to layer and innovate medical services and within compliance and guidelines to make sure that within a clinic, if we run them on site or if we're doing services for people, whether it be everything from testing all the way to monitoring people's diabetes and that kind of thing, we want to make sure that all of that is itemized and then, and then layered together within the framework of what a company really needs. So the, the needs of a company in Northern California mm-hmm. uh, versus a company that's in Tahoe versus a company in Chicago, they might have very different demographics. You go to Denver, everybody's fit and they're all into the outdoors. You go to some other parts of the United States, not so much. So you have different kinds of demographics. So we really layer services depending on what they need. And the whole goal is to op- keep that company operating. Yeah. And as an operational health provider, we also happen to provide COVID testing. But then the bigger component long term, you asked about what's after COVID, it's really about maintaining health services. And then what the employer gets out of this, obviously, is a happier employee. I keep talking about that. But then they also get the data behind it. Mm-hmm. That data gives them really the backdrop for them to start making smart decisions about how to run their business long term and do risk. Health is really about keeping the company operating. You know, what differentiates us from anybody else that has traditional clinics and that kind of thing is that you know, we really are willing to innovate and change some of the rules. Yeah. We definitely have a board that's serious about healthcare. So Mm -hmm. our chair of our board is former GlaxoSmithKline, GSK. We have the former chief digital officer from Bayer on our board. Mm. Uh, The current chief medical officer at GE is also on our board. Mm. And then for good measure, of course, our our corporate person, the former chief marketing officer from Sprint. So we're making sure that compliance and diligence is there for a big company, uh, C-level guy, Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the same time surrounded by a bunch of folks that I would definitely call well-lettered in the medical field. Yeah, you have a strategic advisory board. Now, I was looking over the names uh, that your PR agent sent me. Dr. Shepard, one of the world's most foremost experts in infectious diseases. Mm-hmm. And th- these guys are helping you keep your eye on future stuff. And I guess when Omicron pops up or whatever the new variant pops up, mm-hmm. you guys can get on it and be like, okay, what's going on with this? That's pretty smart. Absolutely. We also have former uh, DHHS, so it's a Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Eric Hargens on our advisory as well. And Joe Kurland, another infectious disease expert, and a, and a few others as well like him. We have, the whole idea is this, as this begins to fade, and then hopefully we go to uh, endemic soon. Everybody, I think everybody wants to have a normal summer, whatever that is. <laughs> Christmas is going to look like a normal Christmas. So let's talk about a normal summer now. If we can really get there, or even a year from now, mm-hmm. I think if nothing, everybody agrees that we're going to see another kind, some kind of pandemic. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a bit of a precursor. We've had close calls here in the U.S. with things like, there was some couple of viruses a couple of years ago, it was SARS-1, yeah. that really well, H1N1, which was pretty serious, luckily not nearly as transmissible as this. And, and there's some others, that Ebola made its way through a couple of times, remember there was a big shutdown in Texas and they put the tents yeah. up and all of that. We, we had some COVID definitely affected everybody. And I remember when this started to hit and hearing the rumblings about it back in, I guess towards the end of 2019, I heard a lot about this. And in my own world, the tech community at the time, some of our trade shows were trying to get canceled. So you knew something was up. Yep. And I think it took a mind of someone like myself and some of the executives that we have here 
a combination of myself and some people that keep things within the boundaries uh, of compliance, you know, and medicine. But for me, I'm willing to be a little bit disruptive in this. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, can challenge the status quo. We'll keep this from happening again. How do we help companies structure so they don't have to shut down ever again? Mm-hmm. The supply chains globally are still reeling from all of this. So how do we keep shutdowns from ever happening again when we have the next one of these? And yeah. to quote Dr. Shepard, he said, look, within the next 10 years, our expectation is in the scientific community, we'll see some other kind of event like COVID. Wow. Which is rough. But I think if our society gets ready for this, I, I don't think it has to be as bad. I think companies can stay open as long as there's protocols. Yeah, we seem to be, I don't know if we're getting better, but we seem to be getting better at dealing with COVID and everyone seems to be settling in and services like yours and, and people just realizing, yeah, I remember there was a bunch of people that were resistant even after COVID D and then Omicron came up and everyone went, oh, we better go get vaccinated to help get some more people vaccinated in a wave. Even some of the mandates, I've had some, there's some people on my Facebook that are like, uh, mandate, and I'm like, and turns out the mandates, whether or not they move through the courts and get approved. Uh, a lot more people go, hey, we should just, we got to start taking this thing serious and quit joking around. Even some of my friends that thought it was a joke ended up in the hospital and almost got put on vents. And, and they're like, okay, this is for real. And there's more people are just waking up. I think a lot of people, I, there's a lot of different reasons people struggle with something that's so catastrophic that they can't bend their brain around it or it's so horrifying or so scary that they minimize it i think that's one of the psychological approaches human nature takes to stuff but i think now we're so far deep in it for so long they're like okay this is for real this isn't like it just a joke and uh, yeah i remember 10 or 20 years ago i remember i think it was the who or some body of doctors and they're like and back then there was like a it was a movie that came out where somewhere in america a bunch of monkeys had come down with a virus and it was like oh ebola and it would kill you i think it was called outbreak it would kill you like right away and i was like oh that's what they're talking about and we've had biologists on the show that wrote books about covid that told me right on the show you can go back and listen to it they're like we were really lucky this wasn't like something that spread like covid but didn't have an Ebola sort of thing where uh, your insides are melting or E. coli. Where it's, yeah, you just melt and bleed down from the insides out. Have fun with that. So, you know, it alarms me what you say where you're like, there's probably another one coming. They warned us about all this. I think Mother Earth is just sick of us and our crap. She's trying to, <laughs> she's out for us. I don't know. But I, I certainly hope not, Chris. I think what it comes down to is that just because of the way we travel, the way we interact with each other, yeah. if something contagious comes around, you know, it's then just because like it's, we're, it's, the world is round and airplanes yeah. made it even smaller. Things move around. I will say this since COVID and since pandemics and kids going back to school, I have a couple of kids in school. They've all, they both come down with colds several times. Diseases are still getting their way, making their way around. That We forgot what it's like to have a kid with a cold in the house for a little while there. I think everybody forgot about that. So I think we're always going to have people that are going to have to congregate. And as humans, I mean, naturally, we want to socialize yeah. with each other. I think, I think the biggest thing about the biggest fatigue around COVID, uh, I think it's just around the lack of social activity. I think it's yeah. If we can find ways to get companies to run efficiently so that no matter what happens, they don't have to start <clears throat> shutting down and doing all that. I think that'll help all parts of our society. I think restaurants yeah. stay open, and, you know, businesses will continue to run. And I think we all, if we all work a little smarter, I think we'll be in, in a much better place, you know, than, than the decades to come. Yeah, I've, I go to the gym, man. If somebody starts coughing, I don't know what it is about me and coughs, but if I hear a cough, I'm like, but it's natural reaction. And then yeah, there's there's a couple of times where somebody's been coughing. I'm like, I'm out for the gym today. I'm I'm out of here. 
And like, I like eating some greasy foods every now and then. It's hard to tell with my double chin and fat body. But but one thing I hate, like I was, I think I was out getting a really nice burger the other night. I got a reindeer burger. It was good. And uh, from this great burger place. And I remember going in the bathroom and I was like coughing and trying to clear the the grease from the burger. And, you know, every time I cough, I have to be like, that burger was greasy. I don't have the COVID. But yeah, it's, it's, really, <laughs> it's really weird. Anywhere I go, man, you cough around me, like flight or flight, fight or flight sort of activation going on. But uh, yeah, it's really interesting how we settle down. But it's great that you guys have companies that are doing this and uh, going on. Anything we haven't touched on that you want to touch on before you go out? I think the only thing we, we haven't touched on was that you know, if nothing, I would strongly encourage everybody to get serious about their health. You know, that, that's, that's a big thing. And forget about COVID and all that just in general, because mm-hmm. I think this is an opportunity. If nothing, COVID, what it really underscored was a need for a different way to look at our own personal health mm-hmm. and to get serious about it. I think there's been a lot of people took, myself included, a little bit of a break from getting an annual checkup just because nobody wanted to go anywhere near a hospital or a doctor mm-hmm. for a while. Now things are, you know, you know, we're, we're in an unusual place right now, but in general, if people get serious about it, I think they're going to be much more productive. I mean, you mentioned you said it yourself, you're starting to work out more. Yeah. I'm certainly, you know, more health conscious than ever. Uh, mm-hmm. And part of it is when you hear about it every day, that you think about your health, I think that's the best advice I could give to anybody because it's a serious thing. The, the cool thing about our society is we always bounce back. We always seem to do that. No matter what the crisis is, we always find a way to you know, back, especially in the U.S., we always bounce back. Yeah. So I think if nothing, we have the opportunity to do that. I think we can come out of this a lot stronger than the way we went in. Yeah. In fact, I just got something came across from the Washington Post on my pop-up. Fauci says, mask wearing on planes may be here to stay. We may be, it may just be like a permanent. Earlier part of my career, I spent a lot of time overseas, you know, mm-hmm. China, Taiwan. And I actually was working in and out of Taiwan around the time of SARS. Mm-hmm. And before that happened, I always thought the guy in the air in the air, airport of the airplane with the mask on was a bit of a freak until I saw until SARS happened. And he goes, that SARS is a very real thing. So when COVID hit, I, the first thing I thought was, I've seen this before. This is not now. Yeah. And who could have thought that it would get as big as it did? But I think Fauci is right around that. I think masks are here to stay. You know, I think in hospitals, everybody's going to wear a mask. I'm pretty sure in public places like that, I think that stays. But you never know. You know I think we're going to get to a place where providing everybody tests. Everybody takes it seriously. Uh, mm-hmm. We get through where we are. I think there's an opportunity for us to have a, some kind of normalcy by summer, I hope. Yeah. You know, when we get onto the business of running our companies and businesses and going to the beach and going, to, going out to nightclubs and all that kind of fun stuff. Hopefully we get back to that. Yeah. I think as a society, we can. Yeah. It'll be nice to have. We had Jennifer Aniston, Dr. Jennifer Aniston of uh, GMA3 on the show for her book, The New Normal. And she was talking to Anthony Fauci directly for a while. Turns out Anthony Fauci knows how to, um, he's an emoji texter. We discovered that on the show. So that was interesting to find out. He, the, the guy's hip. He's 80 years old or something and he's hip. So I'm not even good at emojis. So good for Anthony Fauci. But yeah, it's interesting. I started wearing masks on a plane this summer. I had gotten really sick after two events getting on planes and I got really sick. I picked up the flu and got pneumonia. And so I actually had masks that we were using and testing and reviewing before COVID, which uh, turned out to be a lucky stroke for me. But yeah, it's just there at there. Give us your plugs again so people can find you guys on the interwebs. What's the best way for employers that are thinking about using services like yours to reach out to you guys too as well? Come to bloomhealthpartners.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have lots of contact us buttons on our webpage. So, so please do have a look. There's also multiple channels. If you more, want more information, you can to our LinkedIn page, uh, our Twitter account. We're always proposing updates. 
And we offer a lot of free advice. We're always, we have a, a team of researchers. We're always going after whatever data we can find to help it and uh, really make it easier for people to make choices about how to run their businesses. There you go. There you go. Thank you very, very much for coming on the show, Andrew. We certainly appreciate it. Chris, my pleasure. Thank you. There you go. And guys, be healthy, get your vaccines and everything else. It sure is nice. And I've seen too many of my friends suffer and, of course, lost. Be good to each other. Go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, hit the bell notification button, see all the wonderful videos we have done over there. In fact, there's a lot of different videos and interviews and book authors we've done on COVID, so you can check that out as well. Go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss. Also go to all of our groups, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Subscribe to all the stuff we're doing and all those different variants. Thanks for tuning in. Again, be good to each other, and we'll see you guys next time.